On this episode of the Chris Elliott Real Estate Show, we're diving into the home inspection period, the rules of the game, what to know, what to look out for, whether you're buying or selling, and out of the show. Welcome to the Chris Elliott Real Estate Show, where we bring you insights into the local Central Virginia real estate market, go in-depth to answer your real estate questions and concerns, and interview local figures and influencers in the greater Richmond area. And now, let's get to the latest episode with your host, Chris Elliott, and co-host, Maddie Ray. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I am Chris Elliott with the always amazing Maddie Wright. Maddie, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Good, good, good. How's your day going? It's good. It's really good. You had a nice little... Santa brought you a nice little present today, or, or you bought yourself something Yeah, nice. on Santa's credit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. What'd you get? I got a new laptop. Hey. It's beautiful. It's my baby. I ordered 11 stickers from the office. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> not not on your company credit card, no. I hope. No, no, no. You know, Michael Scott, when he's like, mo money, mo problems. Yeah. I got us that one so we can remember to like stay humble. Nice. <laughs> nice. Question is, was it a Mac or PC? It's PC. Oh, PC. We are not a, we are not an Apple. Uh, I was going to push for a MacBook, but uh, I decided against yeah, it. Yeah, negative. <laughs> That's part of the reason I hate Macs is they're like, they're good computers, but man, they're expensive. Yeah. And you can do more on a PC, I think. Mm, no, whatever. Mike's a hater. Um, in fairness, <laughs> at least I have an iPhone. Your your original PC was a POS. It was kind of a junker type. Yeah, I went super cheap on that one, and it showed. Yeah. Now this next one is basically like, he wanted to see if you were going to stick around and if you're going to be able to do. No, the job. literally, that's exactly it. Because even my email address. It was a have, test. My email address didn't even have my first name in it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to work for that. It was like it was like position at chriselliotrealestate.com yep. <laughs> and then I was like okay maybe we should treat her like a human an individual <laughs> wow incredible imagine that yeah yeah so um treating people like people that's our uh that's our internal motto so um anyway so uh good week good week I take Doing my good. test on Friday hey oh so you're gonna be a licensed realtor here pretty soon or licensed transaction coordinator we should call it yes yes will not be a real tour do you feel like that's helped you kind of learn the rules of the game and like know what you can do, what you can't do, kind of giving you a broader scope of, of your job. In the beginning, it was more like I pretty much had a clear idea of what I could do and what I couldn't. And I stood by that like really firmly because, you know, um, cause I drilled that into you. Right. And also cause I didn't know any better. I just did things cause you told me to, and I didn't do things cause you didn't tell me to. And now then she's going like, to question you. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not the just, point. Just like last episode. Hey, let me throw out this hypothetical no, 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 example no. to you. The point um, is now I get, it gets muddled sometimes because I feel like I know the answers to things so I can do it. And then I have to remind myself, wait a minute, can't do that. And then I stop myself from doing the thing that I'm not supposed to do. So now I can do the things that I originally wasn't supposed to do. I think I think we need to bring up the scenario that happened the other day that I kind of messed up on uh, a uh, at a listing for you guys on the key situation. But yeah, let's, actually, let's talk about actually, that. Let's, was, let's, let's talk about that, Mike. I heard you uh, put some undue stress and and it was actually Ooh, it was actually a little bit of a, a learning thing for you, actually. It's a it teaching was, moment. It was a teaching moment. All right. So let's talk about what happened. Mike's locked Maddie out of a, no, 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 a no. lockbox. Let's, start, start off the, the, let's the, talk about how bad Central Lock is. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, tell us, tell us your, tell us your perspective on this. So on the porch, she laid everything properly the way she was probably supposed to do it. I needed to take a picture and video. Video. Oh, hard. the work! It was the work. So I needed, I <laughs> he needed to it. do a job. I moved it out of the way, 
and the center lock that was left open it, left open it was turned well yeah for the client to put the key in and that's probably what you were going to tell them to do and not quite it, well <laughs> That's some. It was. I'm just I like. I'm just I, with you. I like how he's framing the story. It was left open. I had a job to do, <laughs> and it and it flipped and it flipped and on it its, flipped on by itself. Well, central it lock did. does that. In your defense, central lock will just be yeah, like a little... forget you and close. Whereas Supra, like so, you pulled the thing out from the bottom, but there was you no way. Just, it could be like that. I have multiple clients that give me access on a time to time day. Oh I've got multiple clients that so do it this that, way. That, that, and that we've been doing it for two and a half months. We've been now. doing it forever. <laughs> well, no, my problem was this all started because I thought I was going to have to bring the lockbox back from Midlothian to Glen Allen, have you open it and then drive all the way back out and drop it off. That was why well, all you this were, started. You were thinking like the old days with, you know, basically that a agent is the only one that's allowed to have access. And now it's not that way anymore. Yeah. And so I was trying to convince Chris. And I will say, say you do. We as agents have to give certain people permission. It's not just right, like right, 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 anybody right, 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 can anybody, come along. Yeah. yeah, it's a vendor. We don't want people thinking that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll have an app, the app that we use. It'll tell me, hey, you have this time to this time access or whatever. All right. All right. You're cutting into my studio time with your excuses here. Well, I didn't so even know if that would work on. on a listing that wasn't active yet. That's why I was stressing. Okay. All right. It all worked out. Yeah, it all worked out. Teaching moment. Teaching moment. All's well that ends well. All right. So let's get into the content for today. Maddie, what are we talking about today? We are explaining the inspection period. Yes, we are. So here's what we're going to do for you guys today. Uh, we are going to read. We're not going to be able to get to all of it, but we are going to read the better portion of the contract. So we're actually going to... I'm going to have Maddie in her lovely serenading, soothe voice, uh, read the actual portions of the contract, and then we're going to explain a couple points. We're going to talk about things to know, things to be aware of, um, just so you guys can hear it from the horse's mouth. Uh, not wow, calling, I'm a horse now? Not calling, you know the expression. <laughs> you know the, uh, <laughs> First of all, my life is not worth yeah, a low insert, ball offer. Now horse. Insert horse <laughs> uh, sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. So, hey, the home inspection period, uh, probably one of the most stressful and contentious uh, parts of any transaction. You know, if a deal is going to fall apart, generally it's the it's the home inspection in which it falls apart. Not that it happens too often, but when it does, it, it's usually over that. Um, so there, and something to know, there's two points of negotiation in the central Virginia contract. There's before a contract is ratified. So when a buyer makes an initial offer and then you're going back and forth on price and terms, and then when it comes to a home inspection, those are the two uh, parts are, that are pretty much part of any uh, transaction that we do. So that's kind of the, the basis point here. So, all right. So we're jumping into the central Virginia template contract. We printed out just a sample contract. Um, and I'm going to have Maddie read. So this is section 16 where it spells out the, the, the property inspection. Maddie, if you can start at the top and just read the, uh, the highlighted section there. Sure. Seller hereby grants the purchaser the right to have the property inspected by a licensed home inspector or other person or persons selected by purchaser at purchaser's expense and to request repair of defects revealed and or a seller paid closing cost credit to purchaser. Parentheses. What does that mean? What? What what would you just read? Oh, <laughs> it just means if that box is checked, then that the seller allows the purchaser to do their home inspection. Yes, yes. I don't know at why the, you're laughing at me. At the very <laughs> yeah, at the very elementary level, yes, that is true. So uh, there is an option where you can um, you can waive the home inspection. We typically don't recommend that. Most people are going to want a home inspection, even if it's for informational purposes only. Uh, but a couple of things there. So. Um, 
the the contract was revised in uh, August of 2017. You can see it right there on the contract where they inputted that little section about a licensed home uh, inspector. Home inspectors in Virginia actually didn't have to be licensed until a couple of years ago. I forget exactly when it was, but um, you know, a lot of them had certifications. They had um, belonged to different groups or whatever that said, hey, we're legitimate, but uh, they are now a licensed trade, uh, just like a realtor, just like a contractor, just like a you know hairdresser at the state level. So um, what the contract is doing is we're, they're really trying, when the attorneys put this together, they're really trying to promote licensed home inspectors uh, and get away from folks just bringing in like a contractor, Uncle Larry, who's going to give uh, you know, his analysis on the property. Uh, and you know, if you're somebody that's buying a property, you definitely want a licensed home inspector in there just because there's certain qualifications that they have to have to even do that inspection. Uh, but also just from a legitimate, I don't know if is legitimacy. That's a word. Yeah. Th that is. Okay. Yes. That sounds like something I would have just made up, but, ding, ding, ding. um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> So from that standpoint, you you know, if you're going to make a case that, hey, X, Y, Z needs to be fixed or we need X amount on the property, um, you want to have somebody that's professional behind that. Um, you know, home inspectors uh, looked it up. They've actually got to get about 70 hours of approved training and 25. So they have to do 70 hours of approved training, which is more training than a, a license. How many hours was your real estate exam? Was it like 60? 60, yeah. Yeah. And then you have to do PLE, which is 30. Okay. But like 60 to get licensed. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got to do 70 hours and they've got to do 25 home inspections under direct supervision of a certified home inspector. So Jeez. yeah, 70 hours of classroom time and then 25 inspections under uh, another home inspector. So, you know, I, I've had some home inspectors that maybe weren't the sharpest tools in the shed sometimes, but you know, I hear people talk about home inspectors or idiots. Um, they're, they're going through a fair amount of training to be able to get that that license. Um, so anyway, so that's that. Um, the other points in there, the uh, home inspection is always at whose expense, Miss Maddie, right? The purchasers. The expense. purchasers. That is correct. So as a buyer, per our contract, you cannot request that a seller does an inspection or, or that the seller foots the bill for the inspection. Do people ever try? Yeah. So here's what we see. Thanks for that softball of a question. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what we'll see is buyer will do a home inspection. Let's say there's, you know, some cracks in the foundation that are revealed and the home inspector, you know, refers that and says, hey, you guys really need to get a structural engineer to come in and give a professional opinion. So what happens is a buyer will say, well, we don't, you know, we've already spent the 500 bucks on the home inspection. We don't want to spend more money, uh, you know, and then find out there's an issue. So we're going to tell the seller that, you know, if they want to keep this together, they've got to do, you know, get the engineer out there for $300 or whatever it is. Per our contract, the 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 buyer is always responsible for the cost of the inspection. Uh, so just something to be aware of. And then the other portion of that um, is that so a buyer can request uh, repairs to the property. They can request closing cost in lieu of repairs. So they can say, hey, we want to credit in lieu of these repairs. Or they can uh, request a combination of the two, like, hey, we want X, Y, and Z fixed, and then we want a couple bucks for, you know, A, B, and C. Does that all make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Um, and I think we hit pretty much everything there. Maddie, can you read the next section? Uh, sure. <clears throat> 
Inspections may include, but are not limited to, all structural and building components and systems, radon gas, underground storage tanks, soil condition, environmental testing, and engineering studies. Correct, Amundo. What does that mean in layman's terms? In layman's terms, it means there's a whole loo of uh, different kinds of inspections that they can do. So one thing we do often is the radon inspections. So that is uh, permissible per the contract. Permissible. <laughs> permissible. That's an SAT word. Um, yeah, so pretty much the buyer has the right to look at the house soup to nuts. Um, you know, whether it's radon, whether it's a structural inspection, and we get it. You know, sometimes we'll have clients, either our clients or, you know, they're the sellers and we're representing the buyers where the seller would be like, come on, man, like, isn't this enough? You already got the home inspection. Now you're bringing somebody else out here. You know, it's kind of a pain in the butt to, to you know, have somebody come in at a separate time for a radon. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, the rules of the game, kind of the, the black and white of the contract of, of what you've signed up for if you've taken an offer is you've agreed to let that buyer do pretty much any and all inspections that they want to do during that period. So sometimes they're not all at the same time, you know, just lining different people up. Uh, but as a seller, you have agreed to let them in, um, come in and do those multiple different inspections. And the other point, we kind of alluded to it before, uh, sometimes follow-up inspections are needed. So what will happen a lot of times is a uh, a home inspector is somewhat of a generalist. So they'll come in and they'll say, hey, uh, you know, there's certain things within the scope of what they can call, you know, a defect, not a defect. But sometimes they're saying like, you know, HVAC issues, like irrigation systems, like uh, structural issues where they're not going to make a final call, but they'll say, hey, this is probably something that you need to get a specialist out to look at. So um, sometimes that's where those follow-up inspections are coming from is, you know, there's a crack in the foundation. The inspector can't say whether, you know, whether it's an issue or not. So you're bringing out a structural engineer to kind of, you know, drop the verdict as far as, is it an issue? Is it not an issue? What is it going to take to fix? And and so on and so forth. Um, any questions on that? No. Negative. However, but if a home inspector does say like he defers something to someone else, that means that he's acting within the scope of his expertise. Oh, boom. I am prepared we for just, Friday. Did, did we just learn that? <laughs> no. Nice. Nice. Maybe. I just read that last night. Um, okay. Boom. <laughs> cool. All right. Moving on. Okay. The term defects as used in this paragraph 16 shall mean a condition which impairs the normal stability, safety, or use of any improvements, buildings on the property or damage to any part of the improvements, but shall exclude any cosmetic flaws, antiquated systems, or grandfathered components that are in working order, but would not comply with current building code if constructed or installed today. How do you feel about that? I have a question. Yes. You only get three questions. Well. And I think you used one earlier today, so. Shoot. Um. So how come... Um, in the inspection part of the contract. It how, says it how come? Oh my gosh, Chris Elliott. <laughs> um, hi, Bo. Hi, Bo. Oh my God. How come? I'm never speaking again. Yep. <laughs> um, why is it that um, the contract says that it excludes um, cosmetic flaws, but on an appraisal and they can come back and say things like, oh, there's cracking paint on the railings. You need to fix that. 
what had happened was no. Um, so good question. Very good question. So we've got two different things here. So this contract, and this is a section of a contract, but this contract, who are the, who are the principals of the contract, Maddie? Oh, um, the buyer and seller, the buyer and seller. So they are really the only parties involved within this contract. The buyer has made certain promises and agreed to certain things. The seller has made certain promises and agreed to certain things. Who is not part of this contract? Oh, the lender. The lender, right. So the lender could give a rat's tail. Um, <laughs> what catch. Yeah, um, PG-13. Um, <laughs> the lender could care less what anybody's agreed to in the contract, number one, because they're not party to the contract, and number two, they're the one with the money. So usually the folks with the money set the rules, in my experience. But no, what, what the, the scenario you're talking about there. So this contract spells out what a buyer can and cannot ask for, specifically this section. Um, when it comes to issues on an appraisal, that is a different story because the lender is saying that, hey, um, this issue, while chipping paint may be a cosmetic thing by the definition of our contract, um, the lender could see that as a safety hazard uh, because you know if somebody has chipping paint and then a baby or a kid walks up and eats the paint chips, that's an issue for them. That sounds like a parenting issue. <laughs> it, it is a parenting issue. Um, the scary thing is kids have died from that. So, ah. um, and, and with the lender, the lender's actually following FHA or VA or VHDA guidelines there. So um, not to get in the weeds, but uh, that is something completely separate because that's something that a lender is coming back on an appraisal saying, hey, I don't care what you guys have agreed to or not agreed to. We're not going to lend the money on this property until X, Y, and Z are fixed. And that's typically, you know, safety issues, broken windows, loose handrails, missing handrails, um, chipping paint, things of that nature. A um, couple of things to point out. So I always think it's funny in a contract when something is in bold. And when they talk about defects, uh, that is in bold, which typically means the attorneys want people to know, hey, this is something worth reading. If you're not going to read the whole contract, read this section here. Most of that paragraph is bold. Yeah. Well, they put a lot of emphasis on it because uh, they don't want anybody being able to come back. And anytime an attorney puts something in bold in a contract, they just don't want the other party to come back and be like, oh, I don't know what's in there. Um, but no, our contract very clearly states what is a defect and what is not. And the reason it's in bold is because this is always a hot topic when we're negotiating repairs because you'll have buyers that will come back and they'll say, hey, um, you know, we don't like that the, you know, behind the TV is not painted the same color as the wall. Well, that's great, but that's a cosmetic flaw that's outside of what we've agreed to in the contract. Um we'll see buyers that will come back and they will say, um, hey, you know, that's a really old HVAC system there. Um, you know, we want that replaced or we want a credit towards that. Well, at the end of the day, it, it says right in black and white ink, um, that's an antiquated system. Um, and as long as it's in good working order, then there's nothing really you can ask. You can't say, hey, I need the roof replaced because the roof is is old or I need the water heater replaced because it's old. If it's still working, it's still working. So it's outside the scope of what a buyer can technically ask for. The other thing there is grandfathered components. So a good example of that is like um, uh, GFCI outlets in a kitchen. Do you know about GFCI outlets? No. That's not in the real estate test. Well, if it is, then I'm going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> Study up. Um, <laughs> No, it basically is just it's current building code that if you have an outlet near water, it needs to be G on a GFCI circuit. That came out in like the 80s. Oh, 
I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if you got a house that was built. Good contribution, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Well, I thought, yeah, yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. he was going to go into something else, but yes, yes. Yeah. But long story short, if the house was built before that became code and you haven't renovated that portion of the house, then it falls with under that grandfather components. In other words, you can't hold a 1950s house to the standards of, you know, the building standards of 2000. So that's kind of what's outside of the, um, the scope of the inspection that talks about that there. Any questions on that? I think we kind of beat that one to death. Yeah, that's beaten to death, I think. Cool. All right, let's move on. Okay. Um, seller shall respond in writing to purchaser's repair request within seven days of its receipt. The negotiation period. If seller You agree- totally skipped a whole... No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. Never mind. I'm sorry. Wow. Rude. <laughs> Before I was interrupted. Starting from the top. Okay. Seller shall respond in writing to purchaser's repair request within seven days of its receipt, the negotiation period. If seller agrees in writing to accept such repair request, then the party shall proceed to settlement. If seller does not respond in writing within the negotiation period, then seller shall be deemed to have rejected purchaser's repair request. Cool. Did you say 10 days or did you just? I thought I said seven. Okay. I might, if I said 10, I mean seven. Okay. All right. I feel like she needs to rap when she reads it. Yeah. Can we we get you to rap this? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, On our next episode, Maddie's going to sing parts of the contract. Um, So don't make promises I can't keep. Facebook, Instagram, laryngitis for the next week. Facebook, Instagram. Tell us what style, what genre of music. Do you want it (laughs) opera style? Do you want a country music? Oh my God. Do you want it? um, Do you want a jazz style? Um, all right. No. no so um, this section of the inspection period uh, thing we talk about. So what's spelled out here is the time frame of the inspection. So typical time frames that we see on inspection periods, anywhere from, let's say, 10 to 14 days, sometimes maybe 15 days if they're stretching. And essentially what it says is that, hey, you as a buyer have whatever time frame that we agree to, 10 days, 14 days, you have 10 to 14 days or, you know, whatever period you agree to, you have that a period to come in, do any and all inspections that you want and submit to us your request for repairs. Now they have to, uh, when they, if, and when they submit a request for repairs, they've got to have three things turned in. They've got to have the, uh, repress the actual request for repairs. And there's an addendum that we use for that. The repairs request addendum. So they've got to have a, a, a written instrument. What's a legal instrument, Maddie? Come on now. The this contract. Is, is a version of a legal instrument. The ratified contract. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> All right. So you've got to you've got to deliver a, a written addendum essentially saying this is what we want to see fixed or this is the money that we want in lieu of actual repairs. They've got to submit a inspection um, report. What happens if they don't Ooh. submit an inspection report? Well, the, the third thing that they've got to submit is a estimate of what the repairs are going to cost. So typically we'll put that in the addendum or most of your inspectors will give an estimate of what the actual repair is going to cost. Whether they're asking for repairs or, or credits, they need to put all three of those components. If they do not submit all three of those components within that time frame, the contract very clearly states they have agreed to accept the property as is, i.e., you have lost, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. So we had a deal. Um, if you remember that townhouse in Mechanicsville that we sold earlier this year, um, 
the buyer's agent submitted to us a repairs addendum. It had exactly what they wanted to fix. It had the estimate of the repairs, but he forgot to send the inspection addendum. Do you remember that one? I think that was before me. But there was one that we had where someone almost forgot and we were like, oh my gosh, are they going to forget? And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that, I think, I think I know which one you're talking about. And I think that wax repairs comb. were, oh, that was wax. You were in oh, for wax comb. yeah. You remember that one? I was thinking Poplar Bud. Um, I can't remember that one, but uh, yeah, so wax comb is pretty cool. Um, the That's right. I forgot. The agent said everything over. Um, you know, we're not obligated to reach out to them and say, hey, you forgot to send this over. I mean, we've got a fiduciary responsibility to our client. So we literally waited until the inspection period passed. We went back to them the next day. Hey, got your addendum. Appreciate you sending it over. Hey, whether you forgot or whatever, um, sorry, but you guys forgot to send over the repairs addendum. Therefore, you know, we're not obligated to. How'd that go over? Um, the agent was not happy. I mean, it was his mistake. So, you know, we were kind of graceful in our response in our delivery of that yeah. yeah we didn't we didn't rub it in his face but at the end of the day we're like hey you know i'm not going to tell my client he needs to fix anything you know we want the deal to go through but at the end of the day you guys uh screwed up so luckily it wasn't a lot of that came back on it, it was pretty light you know repairs addendum so i think uh i don't know what happened i don't know if the buyer ate it i don't know if the agent gave their client some money or, or what the deal was but long story short um we went to closing and our client didn't even have to fix anything so that was kind of cool yeah. Um, the other component component of this little section here, the last thing we'll hit on, um, a buyer does, if they were requesting repairs, they do have the right to uh, request that licensed contractors do the work. This is also a relatively new change in the last couple of years. Um, it's something, you know, two, three years ago, we, we as agents used to always write that in there because, you know, you don't want a, a you know, John Q homeowner going out and fixing an AC unit or doing intricate electrical repairs or, you know, stuff like that. So we used to always write into our addendums, Hey, we want a licensed contractor to do this. And it was one of those kind of things we knew we couldn't really do it, but we would just do it anyway. Uh, but that was an amendment to our contract a couple years ago of, Hey, a buyer certainly does have a, a right to request that. Uh, licensed contractors do certain repairs. Um, so we typically try to do that for our clients, at least for, you know, your more intricate electrical HVAC, you know, plumbing, if it's more difficult or uh, anything to do with a crawl space, we typically want a licensed person out there. Just so you don't have somebody like Maddie, you know, in a crawl space taking care of molds. You wouldn't even send me into a into a Best Buy to talk about computers. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I did send you into a Best Buy to talk about computers. And, and I had no idea what I was talking about. It almost didn't go good. But she ended up with the right laptop, so that's all that matters. <laughs> she comes out with the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They had a deal going on microwaves. I just couldn't miss out. I have sent Maddie to some questionable properties. Oh um, uh, yeah, like I drove through the ghetto the other day and almost died. Well, that was because you didn't know how to navigate your route properly. That's because I don't have any. She was pass. she was driving. Or should we? We probably shouldn't mention the neighborhood, but um, no, it wasn't. I, should, I shouldn't have said that. Should or or ghetto. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a, des a desirable Whoops. neighborhood. Um. It was kind of sketch, but uh, I did buy you mace. That was like one of the first things I gave you, which I don't know if that was the best like forewarning of, hey, this is what this job is going to be. Here's some mace. Well, one of the first places you sent me was next to the airport and you bought me the mace before that. So I was expecting like. And that wasn't that bad. No, it wasn't bad. Yeah. 
especially uh comparatively speaking <laughs> yeah compared to the other ones of which we're not going to name so nope anyway all right moving on let's read the next section okay if by 5 p.m. on the seventh day of the negotiation period, no final agreement is reached as to the repair, repair, repair request, then purchaser shall have until 5 p.m. on the second day after the end of the negotiation period to either terminate this agreement by written notice to seller or accept in writing seller's last offer regarding the repair request and proceed to settle settlement. If purchaser terminates this agreement or fails to notify seller of its election within the said two-day period, then this agreement shall terminate and subject to the provisions of paragraph eight, purchaser's deposit shall be refunded in full to the purchaser and neither party shall have any further obligation hereunder. I think you jumped. Okay. Anyway. Where did I jump? Um, I think you read section five, but we're going to end at the negotiation period. Um, so oh this is where it kind of gets a little bit interesting um, on the um, on the contract. Here, take that one. Um, this is where it kind of gets interesting <laughs> on the contract. So now we're talking about the seven day Thank negotiation you. period. Um, so the way our contracts work is once a buyer submits their repairs request, it then initiates, kicks off a seven day negotiation period in which essentially if a, if an agreement is not reached at 5 PM on the seventh day, then um, the buyer has the right to terminate. But let's talk about the seven-day negotiation period. Um, it's essentially allowed to... Uh, so once you submit a repairs request, it's really designed to allow a seller some time to kind of absorb the information because most sellers don't know, you know what's wrong with their house. Um, that's why we always recommend getting a home inspection before you list. Um, but most people don't know kind of what defects are, are, you know, lying under the surface in their house. So it allows them to kind of read through that, get some quotes if they want to actually get quotes versus just running off of what the, uh, the home inspector's estimates are or, and, or to kind of formulate a counter of, Hey, we're not going to do the seven things you asked, but we're willing to do the four. Um, so there's no real time frame within that seven day period in which a seller has to, um, has to get back to you. But if they do not get back to you by the end of that seven day period, then essentially the, the buyer has the right to walk. Um, anytime a, just like, uh, when we're negotiating offers before the ratified, any type of counter offer or offer, uh, negates the previous offer. So in other words, if I offer, you know, if I say, Hey, I want X, Y, and Z fixed. And you say, I'm, I'm only willing to fix X, but I'm not going to do Y and Z. And then I say, no, you can't come back and say, hey, I'm going to take you up at X, Y, and Z. It basically takes that offer of the table. So that's just kind of just regular contract negotiation. A um, couple of things there. A purchase or a seller cannot force a credit on a purchaser. So if a seller, if a purchaser wants uh, certain things fixed and a seller says, you know what? I don't want to have to do the work, but I'll give you the money or I'll give you this money. Uh, and the buyer says, no, I actually want those things fixed. Uh, the seller cannot say, hey, you know, Mr. Buyer, we're going to force this credit upon you. You know, we're giving you the money that it says. In other words, they can't. Am I saying that correctly? Is that making sense? Yes. Okay. You can't pressure them into. Well, I mean, you can pressure, but you can't force. Yeah, you can pressure, but you can't force. <laughs> um, that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> Moving on. Um, and during the seven day ne negotiation period, Neither party, this is another SAT word, neither party. Neither or party. Uh, neither party, <laughs> neither party uh, can unilaterally terminate. What does unilaterally mean? One-sidedly. Whoa. So basically what that means is during that seven-day negotiation period, 
neither party can just uh, say, you know what, I'm done. This is not working out. I want out. Now, both parties can agree that, hey, we're not moving forward. But if one party is still trying to work it out and another party wants to cancel, nobody can basically just jump out on their own during that seven-day negotiation period. And that's kind of designed to that, – that keeps a lot of deals together because you would, you would you'd be surprised how many people kind of come around after a day or two of like – they're offended by whatever offer, counter offer, but you give them a night to sleep on it. You give them two days, uh, they sober up, whatever it is, um, and they're ready to, you know, come back to the table, so to speak. Um, all right, so read. So that's the seven day negotiation period. Do you feel like we hit that adequately? Yes. Do we answer all of your questions? Yes. Cool. All and right. I have Facebook Live questions, but all we'll right. get to those. We'll get to those in the in the fire round. Dun, all dun, right. Dun. So last but not least, let's read the last section here about the super secret, not often talked about, but always present two-day layover period. Okay. That part? Yes, the one with the five. Oh. After the four. Okay. If by 5 p.m. on the seventh day of the negotiation period, no final agreement is reached as to the repair request, then purchaser shall have until 5 p.m. on the second day after the end of the negotiation period to either terminate this agreement by written notice to seller or accept in writing seller's last offer regarding the repair request and proceed to settlement. If purchaser terminates this agreement or fails to notify seller of its election within the said two-day period, then this agreement shall terminate and subject to the provisions of paragraph eight, purchaser's deposit shall be refunded in full to purchaser and neither party shall have any further obligation hereunder. 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 Okay. That was as close as I come to rapping, by the way, just so we're all clear. Nice. Well, <laughs> we're going to have to stick with opera then. Um, all right. So this is where it kind of gets interesting um, whenever we hit the spot, because we always tell our clients, hey, there's a seven day negotiation period. And it's not that we're trying to like hide this two day period, but it's just it's one of those things that doesn't get discussed or it doesn't come up often. And then, you know, sometimes it can catch folks by surprise. Uh, but anyway, so uh, the scenario here is we're on the we're on the seventh day of the negotiation period. Uh, both sides are going back and forth or, you know, one side or both sides have become unresponsive. And now we've passed 5 p.m. It's 5.01 on the seventh day. So people think, oh, hey, well, the contract's done. No, not necessarily. Now we're in a two-day layover period. And it's kind of interesting because essentially all of the power sits or all the decision power sits in the buyer's hands. So after 5 p.m. at the seventh day, within that two-day period, a buyer can do a couple things. They can uh, terminate the contract. So they can say, hey, uh, you did not accept our last offer or last counter offer. You haven't come to an agreement. We're just going to terminate. And that they can unilaterally uh, do that. And uh, the contract is, is basically terminated, null and void. Everybody goes their separate ways. Um, they can accept the, the seller's last written offer. So the seller can make one last offer of, hey, uh, this is our last offer. And within that two-day period, uh, the buyer can accept that. Uh, and if nobody does anything, because sometimes folks just get non-responsive or they get offended or whatever, but if nobody's talking, if nobody does anything uh, by 5 p.m. on the end of the second day, so essentially the ninth day uh, of the negotiation period, quote unquote, the term, the contract actually terminates itself. Um, so that way, because we don't want to have a contract just kind of lingering out there uh, that stays in place because nobody does anything, which sometimes happens when folks get, you know, upset. Uh, so at that point, the contract terminates itself, and it very specifically says uh, that the purchaser's earnest money uh, gets returned to the purchaser. Um, that's one of the things sometimes sellers get a little, you know, ornery about, especially if the negotiation fails. Is hey, we just tied up the property for X amount of time. 
uh, and the purchaser gets a walk away with all their money. Of course, they've spent time and money, you know, in the transaction as well with inspections and uh, time sitting on the sidelines, uh, but that's it. So that was the inspection period uh, explained. Do you feel like we kind of went through that ad nauseum? At what? Ad nauseum. Isn't that a word? Ad nauseum? Like in, in too much detail? Is that a word, Mike? No. I think you're looking for maybe exhausted. Can we look this up? No. I don't even know how you spell it. Is they it look, Latin? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ad jo- nauseum? Uh, ad nauseum. Is that not a word? Facebook? Is that not a word? We don't have any viewers. We're going we're gonna to look <laughs> this up and we're coming back. Come on now. <laughs> Joe Rogan's producer looks stuff up while he's on his podcast. Are you Joe Rogan? I'm not Joe Rogan. <laughs> no. We'll, uh, we'll get back to you. All right. We'll get back to that. Ad nauseum. Episode 704. Ad nauseum. I'm pretty sure it's a word. <laughs> um, anyway. All right. So now it is time. For the fire round. We we have to pause. Our production team told us. Yeah, our our production team told us (laughs) how to pause. And now now we've actually got the sound effect, and then we've got us talking about a pause that that no longer exists. So anyway, pause. We we already did the pause. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, I can I can't hold this mic that's falling over any longer. Uh, but. Talk to me. Um, let's. What, what questions do we get from the socials from the uh, the interwebs? Okay. Okay. First of all, is one that I actually had. So um, <laughs> I'm sure it'd be great. Wow. Okay. I sat in on a home inspection little class thing at Remax Action yesterday. On yes, Tuesday. I was gonna say Tuesday, but that was yesterday. Anyway, so someone had said that if they go to a house and they happen to see like cracks in the foundation or like stuff like that, they will put like this needs to be fixed in the additional terms of the contract before it gets ratified. Is that something that you would do? Um, yeah, good question. So this is not necessarily, uh, I think where they were going with this is, so if we see that there are issues apparent with a house, clearly apparent before we've even ratified a contract, like if we know the roof shot or something, you know, is whatever, or if I know like, hey, it's going to be a tough negotiation, um, so I want to make sure we get this addressed up front. In our initial offer, we'll say, hey, we're going to offer you X amount, but included with this, we want the roof replaced. Yeah, or we want, yeah, yeah. So you can do that in a initial offer. You can just have that be, you can have that be in the terms of the initial offer. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I just mean, is that something that you would do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all depends on the situation, but yes, it's better to address major issues like that up front versus having your client contract a house, you know, spend three, four, five hundred dollars on a home inspection, spend all that time and energy, and then just find out that a seller's not willing to fix it. Yeah. Good point. Yes. Okay. So what do you do if a buyer is asking for repairs on items that are not technically defects? Um, bold de- defects. In quotations. Y- yep. Uh, depends who I'm representing. Um, my position, if I'm representing the seller is that I go back to the agent and I say, Hey, look, um, you know, you and I know, or maybe you don't know, but let me remind you. Um, Oof. I just, I hate that crap. Um, but I go back to him and I say, Hey, look, uh, this is outside of the terms of the contract. Uh, you know, we, we all agreed to the rules of the game here. Uh, it's in the pre-printed contract. Uh, one of my favorite, I learned this line from Gary Duda, my broker is he'll go back to the buyer's agent and he'll say, Hey, you were the one that wrote the contract. Cause it's true. I'm in mean, the buyer's wow. agent. Yeah. It's kind of like a little 
little jab. Uh, but no, we go back to him and just remind him, hey, um, this is this is what we agreed to. So you got to pr- apply a little pressure. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if a buyer wants to back out and they're backing out legitimate reasons, the only way to really hold their feet to the the fire is to take them to court, and then it's for a judge to decide. Um, but yeah, I, I always just try to remind uh, folks that you know this is what um, this is what we agree to. If we have a buyer client, it's a little tough tougher because we represent them. We want them to know we're in their corner, but at the same time, we want to you know keep them out of a um, a legal uh, you know landmine, so to speak. Um, so we just remind them, hey, this is what we've agreed to. Um, you know, if it's somewhat gray, I mean, we always err on the side of, you know, the argument on their side. Um, but, um, cause you have a fiduciary duty to them, fiduciary responsibility. But yeah, I mean, we're, we always try to be upfront with our clients of like, Hey, um, you know, if you want me to write this in there, I'll write this in there. But at the end of the day, you know, this is what we agreed to in the contract and this is what they're probably going to say when we ask for, you know, stuff that we've agreed not to ask for. Okay. This is a very long-winded answer to a short question. It was an ad nauseum answer. Yeah, ad nauseum. <laughs> there we go. Have you looked that up yet? No. God, what How do, do we, you spell it? Is it Latin? What, it sounds what are, Latin. What are we paying for here? Ad nauseum. Is it like two words? I think it's I think it's Latin. That's, that was my... Do you know what caveat emptor means? Uh, I sure do. Talk to me it about it. It's in the responsibility of the buyer. So like we're in Virginia. We are a caveat emptor state. Yes. So we, the bu- seller doesn't have to be like, okay, there's this, 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 like the buyer has to search, like seek these things out for themselves. Like certain. Yeah. And that, things. and that kind of like ties. flood zone. Yes. Yes. So that kind of ties into the conversation today. Um, Virginia is a caveat emptor state, which is uh, Latin for buyer beware. I think it's like the only oh, Latin I know. That's the one thing I didn't remember. Um, which essentially means that the law very much favors sellers as far as what they, you know, there's not much a seller has to disclose in Virginia. They have to disclose written building code violations, written zoning violations. And then if the house is built before 1978, they have to disclose whether they have any knowledge of lead-based paint or reports pertaining to lead-based paint. Um, fun facts, you do not have to disclose. Oh, you have to disclose if you've cooked meth amphetamines in a house. And it wasn't cleaned properly. Yeah, so just make sure if when it's you... cleaned properly. When you go to sell your house, just make sure to... Clean up after yourself. Well, disclose meth. disclose the fact that you got a little a little side hustle. All right. respect the I respect the side hustle. You know, <laughs> moving on. Gotta make ends meet somehow. <laughs> moving on. Yeah, apparently I'm not paying enough. Mike's like, you're never welcome in, in my basement again. <laughs> basement. This is not a basement. Studio 77 oh for all your podcasting need. <laughs> I walk through your front door to get here. It's a basement. <laughs> all right. What's our next question? Can't a buyer just get out of a contract if they don't like what comes up on the inspections? Good question. Uh, negative. So um, that's something that we deal with, especially if folks have bought and sold real estate in other areas, if they're, you know, first time home buyers or they're just from another area. Uh, real estate's very local. Um, every area, every state is different. But in our Central Virginia contract, uh, as a buyer, you can't just back out if you don't like the results of the home inspection, unless your contract specifically says that. But you know, the majority of the times, no, you have to give the seller the opportunity to correct any defects, or you have to give them the opportunity to fix it. Um, or they could just wait out until they get to that two-day layover period if they wanted to be like that, right? If who wanted to be like that? The buyer. Yeah, but they still have to submit a request for repairs. In other words, they can't just say, we don't like it, we want out. They've got to submit what they've actually found. And if the seller fixes it 
or you know gives them the credit or whatever they're on the hook um they've bought the house essentially good to know yeah all right one last thing yes um if something yes. is missed on the <laughs> so yes. weird if something is missed on the home inspection what recourse does a buyer have that's um, a good word recourse yeah recourse so if something is missed on the home inspection um so unfortunately not much um you know most of your home inspectors are going to have you sign off on something like a waiver that just says hey you know we're going to do a rest job but at the end of the day you can't hold us responsible um uh, you know our contracts say you can't sue the agent um hope you pick a good home inspector then yeah pick a good home inspector um go with whoever your your realtor recommends because they're typically the a good option um and then, um, yeah, so we have this sometimes like a buyer will come back at the final walkthrough and they'll say, hey, we didn't realize X, Y, and Z was wrong with the house. Well, in our contract, you only get one bite at the apple. So if um, now if there was damage done to a property between, you know, the home inspection and closing, that's a different story. But if they just miss something, then, um, you know, they, they missed it. Uh, tour, uh, buyer beware. So once again, um, you know, it's a it's a seller sided state that we live in, so uh, the buyer does not have any recourse. Womp womp. Buyer at, needs to do their due diligence at that point, unless the agent didn't had knowledge of a defect and didn't disclose it. But the homeowner is not required to disclose it. But the agent, if they're made aware, they're required to disclose it. Yes. All right. Anything else? That's all I got. Cool. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in to episode number three. three. Um, so, hey, so we want to know from you guys what you guys want to hear. We're, we're trying to format uh, what these episodes are going to be. We're going to have on some local guests, um, you know, vendors. Uh, we'd like to get on some local figures. Uh, we're going to do one show a month that's going to be a market update. So next week, we're going to be talking about the state of the market, state of the union. Yeah, those are my um, favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, um, that's what we're going to be talking about. But we want to know what you guys think, uh, what you guys want, so we can cater to you. So follow us on social. Give us a review if you can. Uh, once again, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you guys on the next one. Thanks for joining us for the Chris Elliott Real Estate Show. If you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes, please contact Chris Elliott at chris at chriselliottrealestate.com or by phone at 804-980-1898. And please join us again next time for the Chris Elliott Real Estate Show.